Chapter Three of Conan and Shadows in the Moonlight by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. The sun was hanging low when Olivia regained her senses. A faint wind wafted to her ears distant shouts and snatches of ribald song. Rising cautiously, she looked out across the plateau. She saw the pirates clustered about a great fire outside the ruins, and her heart leaped as a group emerged from the interior dragging some object she knew was Conan. They propped him against the wall, still evidently bound fast, and there ensued a long discussion with much brandishing of weapons. At last they dragged him back into the hall, and took up anew the business of ale-guzzling. Olivia sighed. At least she knew that the Cimmerian still lived. Fresh determination steeled her. As soon as night fell, she would steal to those grim ruins and free him, or be taken herself in the attempt. And she knew it was not selfish interest alone which prompted her decision. With this in mind, she ventured to creep from her refuge to pluck and eat nuts which grew sparsely near at hand. She had not eaten since the day before. It was while so occupied that she was troubled by a sensation of being watched. She scanned the rocks nervously, then with a shuddering suspicion crept to the north edge of the cliff and gazed down into the wavering green mass below, already dusky with the sunset. She saw nothing. It was impossible that she could be seen, when not on the cliff's edge, by anything lurking in those woods, yet she distinctly felt the glare of hidden eyes, and felt that something animate and sentient was aware of her presence and her hiding-place. Stealing back to her rocky eyrie, she lay watching the distant ruins until the dusk of night masked them and she marked their position by the flickering flames about which black figures leaped and cavorted groggily. Then she rose. It was time to make her attempt, but first she stole back to the northern edge of the cliffs, and looked down into the woods that bordered the beach, and as she strained her eyes in the dim starlight, she stiffened, and an icy hand touched her heart. Far below her something moved. It was as if a black shadow detached itself from the gulf of shadows below her. It moved slowly up the sheer face of the cliff, a vague bulk, shapeless in the semi-darkness. Panic caught Olivia by the throat, and she struggled with a scream that tugged at her lips. Turning, she fled down the southern slope. The flight down the shadowed cliffs was a nightmare in which she slid and scrambled, catching at jagged rocks with cold fingers. As she tore her tender skin and bruised her soft limbs on the rugged boulders over which Conan had so lightly lifted her, she realized again her dependence on the iron-thewed barbarian. But this thought was but one in a fluttering maelstrom of dizzy fright. The descent seemed endless, but at last her feet struck the grassy levels, and in a very frenzy of eagerness she sped away toward the fire that burned like the red heart of night. 
Behind her, as she fled, she heard a shower of stones rattle down the steep slope, and the sound lent wings to her heels. What grisly climber dislodged those stones she dared not try to think. Strenuous physical action dissipated her blind terror somewhat, and before she had reached the ruin her mind was clear, her reasoning faculties alert, though her limbs trembled with her efforts. She dropped to the sward and wriggled along on her belly until, from behind a small tree that had escaped the axes of the pirates, she watched her enemies. They had completed their supper, but were still drinking, dipping pewter mugs or jeweled goblets into the broken heads of the wine-casks. Some were already snoring drunkenly on the grass, while others had staggered into the ruins. Of Conan she saw nothing. She lay there while the dew formed on the grass about her, and the leaves overhead and the men about the fire cursed, gambled, and argued. There were only a few about the fire. Most of them had gone into the ruins to sleep. She lay watching them, her nerves taut with the strain of waiting, the flesh crawling between her shoulders at the thought of what might be watching her in turn, of what might be stealing up behind her. Time dragged on leaden feet. One by one the revelers sank down in drunken slumber, until all were stretched senseless beside the dying fire. Olivia hesitated, then was galvanized by a distant glow rising through the trees. The moon was rising. With a gasp she rose and hurried toward the ruins. Her flesh crawled as she tiptoed among the drunken shapes that sprawled beside the gaping portal. Inside were many more. They shifted and mumbled in their besotted dreams, but none awakened as she glided among them. A sob of joy rose to her lips as she saw Conan. The Cimmerian was wide awake, bound upright to a pillar, his eyes gleaming in the faint reflections of the waning fire outside. Picking her way among the sleepers, she approached him. Lightly as she had come, he had heard her, had seen her when first framed in the portal. A faint grin touched his hard lips. She reached him and clung to him an instant. He felt the quick beating of her heart against his breast. Through a broad crevice in the wall stole a beam of moonlight, and the air was instantly supercharged with subtle tension. Conan felt it and stiffened. Olivia felt it and gasped. The sleepers snored on. Bending quickly, she drew a dagger from its senseless owner's belt and set to work on Conan's bonds. They were sail-cords, thick and heavy, and tied with the craft of a sailor. She toiled desperately, while the tide of moonlight crept slowly across the floor toward the feet of the crouching black figures between the pillars. Her breath came in gasps. Conan's wrists were free, but his elbows and legs were still bound fast. She glanced fleetingly at the figures along the walls, waiting, waiting. They seemed to watch her with the awful patience of the undead. The drunkards beneath her feet began to stir and groan in their sleep. The moonlight crept down the hall, touching the black feet. 
The cords fell from Conan's arms, and, taking the dagger from her, he ripped the bonds from his legs with a single quick slash. He stepped out from the pillar, flexing his limbs, stoically enduring the agony of returning circulation. Olivia crouched against him, shaking like a leaf. Was it some trick of the moonlight that touched the eyes of the black figure with fire, so that they glimmered redly in the shadows? Conan moved with the abruptness of a jungle cat. Catching up his sword from where it lay in a stack of weapons nearby, he lifted Olivia lightly from her feet, and glided through an opening that gaped in the ivy-grown wall. No word passed between them. Lifting her in his arms, he set off swiftly across the moon-bathed sward. Her arms about his iron neck, the Orifian closed her eyes, cradling her dark curly head against his massive shoulder. A delicious sense of security stole over her. In spite of his burden, the Cimmerian crossed the plateau swiftly, and Olivia, opening her eyes, saw that they were passing under the shadow of the cliffs. "'Something climbed the cliffs,' she whispered. "'I heard it scramble behind me as I came down.' "'We'll have to chance it,' he grunted. "'I'm not afraid now,' she sighed. "'You were not afraid when you came to free me, either,' he answered. "'Crom, what a day it has been! Such haggling and wrangling I never heard. I'm nearly deaf. Arathus wished to cut out my heart, and Ivanos refused to spite Arathus, whom he hates. All day long they snarled and spat at one another, and the crew quickly grew too drunk to vote either way. He halted suddenly, an image of bronze in the moonlight. With a quick gesture he tossed the girl lightly to one side and behind him, rising to her knees on the soft sward. She screamed at what she saw. Out of the shadows of the cliffs moved a monstrous, shambling bulk, an anthropomorphic horror, a grotesque travesty of creation. In general outline it was not unlike a man, but its face, limed in the bright moonlight, was bestial, with close-set ears, flaring nostrils, and a great flabby-lipped mouth in which gleamed white tusk-like fangs. It was covered with shaggy, grayish hair, shot with silver which shone in the moonlight, and its great misshapen paws hung nearly to the earth. Its bulk was tremendous, as it stood on its short, bowed legs, its bullet head rose above that of the man who faced it. The sweep of the hairy breast and giant shoulders was breathtaking. The huge arms were like knotted trees. The moonlight scene swam to Olivia's sight. This, then, was the end of the trail. For what human being could withstand the fury of that hairy mountain of fuse and ferocity? Yet as she stared in wide-eyed horror at the bronzed figure facing the monster, she sensed a kinship in the antagonists that was almost appalling. This was less a struggle between man and beast than a conflict between two creatures of the wild, equally merciless and ferocious. With a flash of white tusks, the monster charged. 
the mighty arms spread wide as the beast plunged stupefyingly quick for all his vast bulk and stunted legs conan's action was a blur of speed olivia's eye could not follow she only saw that he evaded that deadly grasp and his sword flashing like a jet of white lightning sheared through one of those massive arms between shoulder and elbow a great spout of blood deluged the sword as the severed member fell twitching horribly but even as the sword bit through the other malformed hand locked in conan's black mane only the iron neck muscles of the cimmerian saved him from a broken neck that instant his left hand darted out to clamp on the beast's squat throat his left knee was jammed hard against the brute's hairy belly then began a terrific struggle which lasted only seconds but which seemed like ages to the paralyzed girl the ape maintained his grasp in conan's hair dragging him toward the tusks that glistened in the moonlight the cimmerian resisted this effort with his left arm rigid as iron while the sword in his right hand wielded like a butcher knife sank again and again into the groin breast and belly of his captor the beast took its punishment in awful silence apparently unweakened by the blood that gushed from its ghastly wounds swiftly the terrible strength of the anthropoid overcame the leverage of braced arm and knee inexorably conan's arm bent under the strain nearer and nearer he was drawn to the slavering jaws that gaped for his life now the blazing eyes of the barbarian glared into the bloodshot eyes of the ape but as conan tugged vainly at his sword wedged deep in the hairy body the frothing jaws snapped spasmodically shut an inch from the cimmerian's face and he was hurled to the sward by the dying convulsions of the monster olivia half fainting saw the ape heaving thrashing and writhing gripping man-like the hilt that jutted from its body a sickening instant of this then the great bulk quivered and lay still conan rose and limped over to the corpse the cimmerian breathed heavily and walked like a man whose joints and muscles have been wrenched and twisted almost to their limit of endurance he felt his bloody scalp and swore at the sight of the long black red-stained strands still grasped in the monster's shaggy hand crom he panted i feel as if i've been racked i'd rather fight a dozen men another instant and he'd have bitten off my head blast him he's torn a handful of my hair out by the roots gripping his hilt with both hands he tugged and worked it free Olivia stole close to clasp his arm and stare down wide-eyed at the sprawling monster. "'What? What is it?' she whispered. "'A gray man-ape,' he grunted. "'Dumb and man-eating. They dwell in the hills that border the eastern shore of the sea. How one got to this island I can't say. Maybe he floated here on driftwood, blown out from the mainland in a storm.' "'And it was he that threw the stone?' "'Yes.' I suspected what it was when we stood in the thicket, and I saw the boughs bending over our heads. These creatures always lurk in the deepest woods they can find, and seldom emerge. 
What brought him into the open, I can't say, but it was lucky for us. I'd have had no chance with him among the trees. It followed me, she shivered. I saw it climbing the cliffs. And, following his instinct, he lurked in the shadow of the cliff instead of following you out across the plateau. His kind are creatures of darkness and the silent places, haters of sun and moon. Do you suppose there are others? No, else the pirates had been attacked when they went through the woods. The gray ape is wary for all his strength, as shown by his hesitancy in falling upon us in the thicket. His lust for you must have been great to have driven him to attack us finally in the open. What? He started and wheeled back toward the way they had come. The night had been split by an awful scream. It came from the ruins. Instantly there followed a mad medley of yells, shrieks, and cries of blasphemous agony. Though accompanied by a ringing of steel, the sounds were of massacre rather than battle. Conan stood frozen, the girl clinging to him in a frenzy of terror. The clamor rose to a crescendo of madness, and then the Cimmerian turned and went swiftly toward the rim of the plateau with its fringe of moon-limed trees. Olivia's legs were trembling so that she could not walk, so he carried her, and her heart calmed its frantic pounding as she nestled into his cradling arms. They passed under the shadowy forest, but the clusters of blackness held no terrors, the rifts of silver discovered no grisly shape. Night-birds murmured slumberously, the yells of slaughter dwindled behind them, masked in the distance to a confused jumble of sound. Somewhere, a parrot called like an eerie echo, Yakulam Yokta Xlala. So they came to the tree-fringed water's edge and saw the galley lying at anchor, her sails shining white in the moonlight. Already the stars were paling for dawn. End of chapter three.